Welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast with Ryan Cote, where we feature casual conversations with entrepreneurs about personal development and growth. Hey, Tommy. Welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast. How's it going? Fantastic, Ryan. Great to be with you. Yeah, I'm excited. I appreciate you. You sent me laughing pretty hard, so I had to like regroup myself before I started recording. So uh, I'm excited for this. <laughs> we'll see what uh, surprises we, we have coming. Yeah, you never know. That's life. So let's kick off with telling my audience of Morning Upgraders who you are, what you do for a living, and then something you're grateful for in your life at the current moment. All right, that's a good one. Tommy Newberry, I am a coach for entrepreneurs. I've been coaching since 1991, probably started earlier than I should have, but that means beginning tomorrow or uh, yeah, beginning tomorrow will be 31 years. I started in October of, of 91 and I am very, very grateful for people that are praying for me on a regular basis uh, at the current moment, some clutter and stuff that I'm dealing with. And so we're feeling prayers, my wife and I, especially for that. And um, was there another question? I would be grateful for my short-term memory, but is there anything else? (laughs) (laughs) What you do for a living and then uh, something you're grateful for? So I'm grateful for the prayers and uh, I coach entrepreneurs primarily. uh, I'll add this uh, to make it more complete. I work with entrepreneurs who have a strong track record. They don't really need me, but they're trying to get to the next level economically without screwing up their faith, their family, and their health. And that's been kind of the interesting little niche that I've carved out here for a while now. How old were you when you started coaching? I was maybe just a few days. I turned 56 in about a week and a half. So I was a little bit before turning 25. And I really had no business doing that, but I was either going to coach baseball or coach people. And I thought I could control my destiny destiny a little bit more coaching people. And I started trying to call on corporate Atlanta at the time, and that just didn't work. So one of my prospects said, you know what? You're calling the wrong people. Start calling on entrepreneurs. They'll appreciate your, the risk you're taking, and they'll, they'll, they might give you a chance, but the, the corporate folks aren't going to do that because you have no resume, track record, or credentials. <laughs> I said, well... Um, I'll focus on the positive part of that. But he was correct. I had nothing except faith and my confidence in myself to go on. So my my angle that eventually worked was I was single, living in an apartment. I didn't have many expenses. So I just told people, let me work with you. I prospected, tried to find the right people. Let me work with you for a quarter and you don't owe me anything till we're done. And if I deliver the results, then here's what what you owe me. And then if I don't, you don't have to pay me anything. So 10 of my first 12 clients paid me. The other two gave me advice that was worth more than what the other 10 paid me. And one is still uh, periodically works with me even you know almost 30 years later. So you answered my question. I was going to ask you, 25, how did you convince people to work with you? But you just answered that with the with that uh, awesome offer. And yeah, so- it was hard. It, it was hard. But I, I finally, unfortunately, I don't have to do that now. But I literally was going, I would identify places where there were small businesses and I would go door to door. I mean, I was just literally knocking on the door and introducing myself. It was very awkward and weird, but you know, eventually I got better and better and then it just became referrals and that didn't do the cold call stuff. And how did you get the experience as such a young buck to recommend, like get, get them results and just some, for people listening that are maybe starting thinking about starting a business, I'm trying to pull like like, what did that process look like for you since you were so, you know, you're 25, maybe you've been working for yeah. a few years, but, you know. 
I had a couple of years out of college working as a, uh, I taught workshops for a software company. Then I also sold with that company. So I sold software for a little bit. Then I started teaching and I found out I really loved teaching, but I had been obsessed with baseball growing up. So I studied sports psychology. And then when I got into sales, even though it was only for about a year and a half, I read everything I could on sales. And so much of it was psychological and about mindset and getting your head right. And so I turned that into like a a curriculum, a goal setting curriculum with, you know, an emphasis on accountability. And I mean, I really had the confidence that you could almost get it. This is no offense to any coach, uh, including myself. But I mean, if you just have somebody check it, you know, ask you questions about your goals and then check in on you every week for 10 or 15 minutes, then at the end of a, a quarter, you're going to get better results than if you were just going alone. And then right. if you happen to have a quality person who can ask really better, you know, better questions and really push you and has some instincts, then you can make more progress. But I was, it was just kind of, a, I was an outside person pushing people who were their own bosses and they didn't have a boss. They didn't have a board of directors. They were kind of lone proprietors kind of folks, commercial real estate, financial services, restaurateurs, that thing, that kind of thing. And you're an author too. And we're going to go, we're going to go to personal development in a second here, but I just got another question. You, you're an author too. Are they two standalone businesses or is it kind of like a flywheel where the books lead to coaching clients? Is there a marketing system behind that? We're still working on that. There kind, kind of is, is the, is the official answer that we've written down. But I started coaching. I did the reverse of what most people did or do. Nobody was coaching back then. I used the word coach just to kind of camouflage the fact that I was 25. And so I was calling on people hoping to play upon their experience with athletic coaches. You know, I'm not better than you, but I can make you be better or I can draw out better results from you. But there's a limit to how many people you can work with one-on-one. So I took about my first 100 clients that, you know, was that was several years in the making. And then I pulled them together I tried to get all of them. I got about a third of them to come together to be in a group. And then I kind of converted to group coaching. And then the clients have given me most of my best ideas. But one of them said, you need to write a book to help draw people in. And so I self-published a book called Success is Not an Accident back in 1997. And I sold just a, a crazy number of books because all of my clients would send it to their best relationships. And then they tell two friends. And then this company called... What was it? Oh, yeah. Amazon.com came along. And all of a sudden, we had distribution channels that we never would have dreamed of. And then eventually, the book got picked up by Tyndall House Publishers when I proposed another book idea called The 4-8 Principle, The Secret to a Joyful Life. And so we then we got it out mainstream. And we're kind of like the tortoise in the tortoise and the hare. We're just, we're not doing like amazing sales, but we're steady, steady, steady decades after the pub date. And the 4A principle did hit the New York Times. We, we've hit some lists, but you know we're just kind of steady. We're kind of under the radar type of approach. And so, yes, we do get business from the books, but most of our, our coaching, our high-end coaching is referral, almost like 99%. And then our lower-end coaching comes from either social media, which we're not that good at, so probably not a lot from that, or from books and people joining our mailing list, which we do a pretty good job of. Okay. So I'm writing down two questions I want to ask you around business, but I want to go back to, I want to, I want to go to personal development for a second. Before I ask, this is the morning upgrade podcast. So I have to ask about your morning routine. 
give us a peek into your world. How do your mornings start? My mornings start usually around six. I like to used to get up a lot earlier, but I like getting up maybe five till six just to give me a little bit of a of an edge, like literally the five minutes. So I'm I'm up before six, but you know, it's five minutes before six. We have a concept in our coaching called EMSR, and that for us stands for early morning success ritual. So um, I love the idea of what you're doing with the podcast. So the first thing I do is I have a pre-planned thought for the day, which is either a spiritual one, like this is the day which the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Or it's just going to be something positive, like I believe something wonderful is going to happen to me today. So I'm still in bed, and I think that thought. I'll do a quick prayer. Then I'll have my earbuds on the night table. I'll put them in. I have a early morning playlist that's just kind of a fire you up kind of playlist with some old cliche music maybe a couple of spiritual things mixed in, but I usually don't end up listening to all of it. And then I drop before I go to the bathroom, do some push-ups, try to get 40 in. And I've got my goals on a laminated sheet that we use called the portable coach. And I have that right in front of me, get to the bathroom, do that. But I've also got a bottle of water with some electrolytes in it. So I chug that before I go get coffee. I try to piggyback a lot of things. So if I usually will use a coffee maker or traditional or Keurig, but I'll have some Bible verses by either one of those machines. So as it's, I'm waiting for that to get done, I'm just kind of flipping through the Bible verses. And that's kind of my express quick routine with when I, what I normally like to do is extend it a little bit longer and do a devotion, review my goals, get a full workout in, and then have like a, a protein shake or bulletproof coffee or something. And then I'll do assess my priority. So I will sometimes have that entire thing stretch until 9.30 or 10. And that's becoming a trend with my clients is starting their day with the outside world later and later. I mean, when I was 25 to 35, my first appointment for the day were at 7.30. And now I rarely have an appointment before 10.15. I'm just booked. You know, to the outside world, I'm booked before then. But what is it I'm really doing? I'm trying to get my head on right and think... And then I can go hard. I mean, think about it. If you don't have to get home early for kids, working from, I say working, I do think that the early morning ritual is working, but it's a different kind of working. But from 1015 to let's say 615, if you have have the foundation of an early morning that is successful, then that 10 to 6 is beautiful. Yes. You know, and a morning breakfast can really throw everything off. No offense to breakfast places, but most people that get up and go to breakfast have a compromised morning routine. Then they're reacting to whatever the appointment was. I know some people have to do it. It's not an inherently bad thing, but I've just found for entrepreneurs, it's not the best way to start the day. Have you managed? I'm just looking at your about page. Also, you have four kids. Have you? Uh, the 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 beautiful young lady there is my daughter-in-law. So we've finally okay. been able to add add a female to the uh, to the mix as about okay. a year and a half ago. Nice. Okay. So be your three sons. Correct. Have they adapted your morning routines or you know, thoughts around that? Yes. The oldest one, who is the one that is married, is like me uh, when I was his age. He's 26, and except he's better than me. And he is super fit and has a great early morning success ritual. The other son, who's a couple years younger, is also has an early morning routine, but is probably not as gung-ho about it. But he is actually working with one of my associate coaches. You know, he grew up with me, but but I've I've uh, put one of my best guys on him, Charlie, 
they work together. So he's kind of learning the ropes. He's only about a year and a half out of college. And then the 16-year-old, the younger one there, he is only fond of getting up early if he's well, actually, let me restate that. He's not fond of getting up early, and his his only early morning routine would be if I force it upon him, uh, which I do while, while he's eating breakfast. But he gets up early for school because he's still in high school, and otherwise, he lo- he loves to sleep late. But he's yeah. he's worked. He understands the concept of it because we do several of those components. I rattled off. We do those with him. You know, while he's eating in the morning, we'll watch a two or three minute video. We'll do mini devotion. We'll do positive self-talk. We'll talk about what would the day look like when he gets home, if it was an excellent day. And then, you know, I'm sharing little motivational tidbits with him. And until this year, when I was still driving him to school, we talk about success and goals and rattle off positive affirmations on the way to school. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm asking because I, my kids are younger, you know, 12, 10 and seven, but I, I do gratitude practice with them and just try to pepper them with some thoughts. I mean, obviously they don't have a morning routine or anything like that, but they're very competitive in sports. And so I, I know I'm trying to like, love it, not force it upon them, but kind of like suggest things to them. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Those are, those are great ages. And one thing I started with my oldest who was dyslexic and had auditory processing is he helped me create a tool called 30 days to a self-confident kid. And so this is the reverse of the early morning, but every night we'd recap the day in in the framework or the context of what were the three wins from the day, discoveries, compliments from teachers, you know, small goals that he accomplished, fun things he did and that kind of thing. That really helped. So it's amazing how young, I think seven is is early enough to, you know, have a 90 second early morning routine or two minutes. <laughs> True. You know, I mean, other, yeah, in fact, with some of my clients, we call it an express EMSR or a four minute blitz. And they they have a competition to see how many different elements they can cram into a four minute period. And it's really amazing when you have a, a group that's trying to compete with one another and they figure out how to streamline and optimize everything. And so the four minute blitz would be like if you had an urgency or your situation was weird. You never have to blow off your early morning routine. Or as I was telling you in mine, I just build in a four minute complete segment right at the beginning. So I got prayer in, I looked at my goals and I did the push-ups all in the first 90 seconds. None of that is like noteworthy or amazing, but it's kind of telling my body, hopefully in my mind, I'm in charge. And then after I went to the bathroom, then the pace kind of slows down. That's how I get people into to the EMSR is just say, how, how short can you make one that still covers spiritual, directional, and physical? And we somehow, four minutes seem to be about the shortest we could get it. My morning routine is 30 minutes, sometimes less, but I cram in in those 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. I'm cramming in, setting the priority for the day, gratitude practice, celebrating a win who I'm going to reach out to today, some journaling, meditation, exercise, like pull-ups and stuff, push-ups yeah. and um, reading. And so it's like what's, bite size. What's the first thing? What's the first thing you do? Like the very first thing? First thing is I grab a cup of water, a cup of water and okay. sit at my desk. And then I break down my priority for the day. That's usually the first thing I do. The first step of it. Yeah. So is anybody else up in the house when you're doing that? Generally not. I mean, it just depends. I don't give myself a hard start date typically, but usually no one's up. But sometimes they yeah, are. Just I, I love that time just for the reason that I'm usually 
nine days out of 10, I'm usually the only one up and I, I've kind of got addicted to having the run of the house with no noise. The quietness, yeah, it is kind of nice. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, this time flew. I can think of a thousand questions I want to ask you, but I do like to keep this podcast to less than 20 minutes. So we're going to hold steady at that. But I do I do have one last question for you. Um, sure. I was going to ask you a question about joy and happiness, but you've got the book about that. So we'll we'll go back to entrepreneurship. So to the entrepreneurs listening, what I'm pulling from what you were saying is that you know, you started the coaching business when you, as in your words, you, you had no, like you were young to start it. And so but you figured it out, you know, and then you, right, right. You've wrote all the books and you've, some of them are selling really well and you figured that thing, whole thing out. So for someone that's starting out, thinking about coming an entrepreneur, like what's your process for that? Like what's, where do you get the grit from the, just the wherewithal to like figure all that out? Is there an easy answer there? Or is that a long answer. No, I don't think I don't think there's an easy answer. I can give a kind of a short answer, but it, I I have kind of encapsulated it in start before you're ready because you'll never ever really be ready. I remember when I was around the age that I started the business, the the Braves were doing really well back in the early 90s and I remember sitting around at a sports bar with my buddies and there were five of us and the other four sitting at the table all were all had just finished getting their MBA and I did not. So somebody's kind of being a smart aleck and said, hey, you're the only one without a graduate degree. So I thought, well, yeah, I'm the only one working for myself that didn't have a boss. It seemed to land pretty well. And of course, they're smart and bright. But what I found out is only one of those, you know, 30 years later has gone off to start their own business. Everybody doesn't need to start their own business. But I was so ignorant in a good way, kind of like, um, you know, if you're not real smart, you might step into the into the street off the curb when you shouldn't. But once you're, you see the cars coming at you, you start to dash and turn and you figure out how to get across the street without getting hit because you had no other choice. Well, if, and I just didn't know I shouldn't start my business that young. And, but going to graduate school, they basically were learning all the things that could go wrong, all the reasons you might not want to start. The fact that 80% of businesses fail in the first five years. And I wasn't exposed to that. So I just kind of, started. And then I did have some confidence that I could figure it out. Either I could learn it or I could ask somebody. And I still kind of think that I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. So I might not have confidence like that everywhere, but it's kind of like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure, I'll find somebody to model. I'll, I'll ask the better questions. I'll keep at it. And so that's my encouragement. It doesn't mean be stupid. I wasn't trying to say that or be impulsive. It just means they're forever. This one thing will never change. There will always be good reasons not to follow your dream or to start your business. There'll be good reasons not to do that. Solid, logical reasons not to start. But there'll be solid, logical reasons to start. And you just have to figure out which path of thinking you want to follow, to start or not to start. And either way is going to be full of challenges. So I decided to go down the path that I thought would produce more freedom for me. And then probably I could have made more money a lot quicker if I would have stayed employed, you know, in a traditional sense rather than starting my own business. But I like thinking of the freedom that I have as part of my compensation. Excellent advice. Great way to end this conversation. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks for everything you shared. If someone wants to reach you, where should we send them? Send them to TommyNewberry.com, just like it sounds, TommyNewberry.com, or they can track down my books on Amazon. Thanks, Tommy. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Ryan. 
Thanks for listening to the Morning Upgrade Podcast. Please subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit us at morningupgrade.com for more content.